There's one nation that's had a very different COVID experience from much of the world, New Zealand. As the virus began its deadly spread, New Zealand took decisive action, shutting its borders and declaring a nationwide shutdown, measures which appear to be working. For much of the pandemic, New Zealand has been praised for its handling of COVID-19. Foreign Policy magazine ranked at number one in the world for the effectiveness of its response. New Zealand, led by Jacinda Ardern, has also suffered only a handful of COVID-related deaths. Since the pandemic started, New Zealand, a country of 5 million, has had around 12,200 COVID cases and fewer than 50 deaths. At various points, New Zealand had been declared COVID-free. But then, starting in August, the country's largest city experienced a wave of Delta cases. And in October, New Zealand's prime minister made an announcement. The country's strategy to eliminate COVID would be phased out. We have new tools available to us, so we won't ignore those tools. We'll adopt them, use them, and change up our strategy. I had a chance to sit down with Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern earlier this week to talk about the country's COVID response and why it's changing. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Limelaw. It's Thursday, December 9th. Coming up on the show, an interview with New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda and nuzzling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M Hotels. They're in the tech cities, Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash the journal. Since taking office in 2017 as one of New Zealand's youngest ever prime ministers, Jacinda Ardern has grabbed headlines. She had a baby as sitting prime minister, and she championed a swift legislative response to the 2019 mosque shootings in Christchurch. But in the last two years, Ardern's drawn attention for one thing in particular, New Zealand's pandemic response. And that's what I wanted to talk about this week when I spoke with her for the Wall Street Journal's CEO Council Summit. I was on stage in Washington, D.C., and she was on Zoom. Hello, Prime Minister. Thank you for joining us. Kia ora. Thank you very much for having me. And it's morning where you are, so you can inject our afternoon with a little fresh daily energy. I'm I'm just going to have my morning cup of tea with you, if that's okay. (laughs) Please, by all means. When COVID first hit, New Zealand quickly adopted what it called an elimination strategy. It closed its borders and mandated a 14-day hotel quarantine for citizens coming home. When cases did crop up, New Zealand would lock down. I remember, Kate, the day that my, I have a chief science advisor, and she'd come from a technical advisory group meeting where she bought with her some of the modeling that had been done. And you'll remember early on in the pandemic, everyone was talking about crushing the curve. 
and she presented to me the graph of what it would look like if New Zealand tried to crush the curve here. And it demonstrated what we then saw in many places, that our hospital capacity would quickly be outstripped. So we then talked about trying to break the pandemic down into waves, you know, using restrictions that if we saw cases come up, we would then try and squash it. We took an elimination strategy approach because in our view, early on in the pandemic, that was what was going to be best for our people. We knew that were COVID to take hold, we knew from the modelling that it would quickly overwhelm our hospital system and that would run the risk of us losing a large number of lives. That elimination strategy worked, not just for New Zealand, but also for Ardern. In October last year, she was re-elected in a landslide. But when the Delta variant started taking root, her strategy was tested. There was an outbreak in Auckland, the country's largest city, which locked down. But Delta still spread. So Ardern and her team started shifting their approach. So I wanted to talk about this moment when you decided that the zero COVID strategy was something that you had to end. Do you remember when you made that decision and what was on your mind? Oh, yes. Yes. In fact, raising it's very triggering for me, Kate. So uh, <laughs> look, for us, as Delta arrived on our doorstep, it was clear to us that it was very difficult to eliminate Delta. Very, very difficult. But thankfully, we've managed to create enough time and space in the interim where we can vaccinate our people before we switch strategies. And that's the situation we're in presently. What allowed that switch in strategy, according to Ardern, was vaccines. Since October, the country's vaccination rate of eligible people has climbed from about 50 percent to now almost 90 percent. To help get to that number, New Zealand has relied on some vaccine mandates. Can you kind of talk about mandates and whether vaccine mandates foster divisiveness? for a whole range of reasons, um, of which I think we're going to have to grapple with as leaders, there are those who were choosing actively not to take up that tool of protection. So then that it becomes incumbent on us to say, well, actually, where does the collective, where did their rights come in as, uh, and where do mandates therefore become justified because someone individually choosing not to use that tool puts others at risk. So we've been very careful to analyse where we believe that is the case. So we've used mandates, for instance, for our healthcare workers, because our view is if you're vulnerable and unwell, you should expect that your healthcare workers won't pose a risk to you. And then we've used them in education because our children represent the largest group currently in New Zealand who can't be vaccinated. We've not yet approved um, uh, 5 to 11s. And then, of course, we've had border workers and those who operate things that we consider high-risk environments, places where people are working in hospitality and so on. But that's been the extent of our mandates. You know, again, I'd say in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to use them because everyone would take that tool. But we have a duty of care to others as well. In my view, mandates haven't been the primary driver of vaccines in New Zealand. We were reaching already high rates before those mandates came in. And in fact, I think we've, we only lost, um, my recollection is 1% of our education workforce as a result. New Zealand's elimination strategy kept case counts low. But the restrictions had a dramatic impact on the country's economy. That's after the break.
How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines, but are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work? Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier, too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. New Zealand's zero-COVID strategy helped the country avoid the worst health effects of COVID, but it hasn't escaped the disease's economic toll. International tourism dried up after New Zealand's borders closed. National debt is forecast to double due to government spending. And the country's economy is projected to shrink by 7% in the past quarter because of the lockdown in Auckland. How do you think about the economic cost of this lockdown strategy yeah, so look, I think we keep it keeping it in perspective, of course, the lockdown that we had was in our major city of Auckland. Yes, we are expecting a contraction. Obviously, those restrictions will have had an impact. But when we look across the performance of our economy across the totality of the pandemic, we haven't seen, I think, the scarring that you have seen in other parts of the world. Because our view was that the best strategy for our economy was a health-based strategy because it allowed us to operate in an environment where consumers had confidence when we did reopen that they were more willing to go out and um, spend. They were more willing to engage in hospitality and in retail because they had less fear of being surrounded at all times by the virus. And that continues to hold. For us, I mean, we've got 3.4% unemployment at present. Our GDP growth has been solid. Our relative debt rates compared to other OECD nations are, of course, quite low. So uh, we were in a relatively solid position economically. But that's not to say there wasn't a price to an elimination strategy. And it's that reconnection with the world that we're now very focused on. And have you heard pushback from your business community about the slow pace of this reopening? I think there's a general acknowledgement that the strategy that we've had has allowed us to continue to live our lives in a way that has been different to other parts of the world. We've had less than 50 deaths in New Zealand. Um, and every death is, of course, in, no matter where it's been in the world, uh, an absolute tragedy, of course. But our view has been that we've been able to both manage COVID but also keep our economy operating as, as close to full strength as we could. For business, a massive impact has been skills, skill shortages. Uh, so we have, through that period, had specific allocations to try and allow business to access the skills that they need. And particularly with the tight labour market we have now, we know that that's an area we'll continue to need to expedite in the new year. Can you talk about your concerns about inflation right now and, and the debt load and what that will do for the economy in 2022? So uh, 
As other countries are experiencing, of course, we've seen an increase in inflation. And, you know, I saw yesterday, of course, uh, you know, commentary around the OECD anticipating uh, again an increase off the back of Omicron. So we are not alone in that experience. I know the US is experiencing that also, but I think the issue that we have to tackle as political leaders is what is the alternative? In so much as we have, of course, control over some of those levers um, or those contributing factors here, we know that, of course, there's supply constraints. Global shipping has had a significant impact on New Zealand and caused supply chain issues, uh, oil prices. But the flip side question is, are we really calling upon governments to not invest uh, in uh, the kinds of programs or initiatives that help fuel the recovery? So that is, I think, what all countries and leaders are grappling with. Are you worried about how New Zealanders will react now that COVID will be in their midst? You know, when we started going through this transition, uh, some of our team reached out to other countries that had had similar strategies to hear the psychological impact to a change in status. And that was something that they shared with us had been probably something that took a little longer as a transition than they perhaps anticipated. It is fair to say that in Auckland, where there has been the ongoing Delta outbreak for a number of months, it's perhaps over that time, people have gotten used to the idea that yes, there are cases, but at the same time, our preference is to have an environment where we don't treat COVID like the flu. You don't go to work and assume that your coworker may have COVID, that we still have a strong contact tracing and isolation system. Our goal is to continue to keep COVIDers out of the community as much as possible. And with incoming variants, it's good cause to treat this as a disease that we take very seriously. And as we have new emerging variants, are you concerned or would you put New Zealand in lockdown again? So as I say, the reason we've changed our strategy is because we have new tools available to us. Um, and not, I would say not just vaccines, but antivirals. The development that has occurred there that can significantly reduce hospitalizations and deaths is a significant development in the world's defense against COVID. So we'll adopt them, use them and change up our strategy. Uh, so with Omicron, uh, I think the question for us is more of, you know, what is our scientific community going to tell us about that? You know, I think it's a time to be cautious, not a time to panic. Uh, I think it sounds like it'll only be a matter of weeks before we have the information we need to grapple with it. We haven't changed any of our reopening plans as a result. So we intend to move forward as safely as we can. Is there anything you would have done differently? Oh, gosh, I think you if you're not willing to look back and reflect on how things could have been different, then you're not willing to learn. Um, so, of course, there will be things that I, I wish, you know, many of them uh, are based on, gosh, I wish we'd had that piece of evidence or knowledge a little sooner. I would not for a moment change, though, the strategy that we took. And the impact uh, in New Zealand ultimately means that I can still walk into a room and ask someone if they know someone who's had COVID and um, you won't see many hands. Now that presents different challenges. So we don't have now the burden, a large burden of long COVID, um, but we equally don't have a population who necessarily um, will always feel like it's got proximity to them. Right, it's not so present. Exactly, and so that's why the vaccination rates we have 
I'm so proud of because there wasn't that proximity for many people, but it has created other challenges. You know, so, so much of New Zealand's sense of identity comes from our connection with others. In te reo Māori, the language of our indigenous New Zealanders, it's called manakitanga, the idea of, of hosting and caring for others. It's, it's part of us. So it's been a real wrench that, that hasn't been part of us for so long. So it has been a priority that we get our domestic settings right and then we gradually reopen. Prime Minister, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time. Next year, you'll have to come in person. I would very much enjoy that. And as you can imagine, I'm doing a lot of catching up with travel next year. <laughs> Thank you. That's all for today, Thursday, December 9th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Thanks to David Winning and Stephen Wright for their help with this episode. To hear the full conversation with Prime Minister Ardern and interviews with people like Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and Senator Joe Manchin, you can check out The Wall Street Journal's CEO Council Summit at wsj.com slash video slash events. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.